0: Welcome to the Mom Docs Podcast. We are three chiropractors on a mission to empower moms and dads to intentionally choose health for their kids and families, to provide core principles to raise their families holistically, and to help parents take an active role in their family's health. Our goal is to provide families a philosophical approach to health care that steps away from the conventional and supports true health.
1: All right, so welcome back. Today, we want to talk about sleep, and you know, once you've had a baby, I feel like you you very quickly realize the importance of sleep, uh, not only for your energy, your mood, but just your overall like well being. So, in turn, you know, this really has the same importance for your baby. And you know, the bottom line is reality is we all need sleep, and you very quickly realize this when you aren't getting it. So. Today we want to cover the importance of sleep, but uh, even better, we want to talk through ways that may help you and your baby get more of it. And starting with just first of all, like the whole reason we sleep, you know, it's it's so important when you think about it. You know, at least eight hours a day, even for an adult, you know, is is what we need. And and what that does is it allows your body the time, like your body and your mind. Really, to recharge, and you know, when you're sleeping, your body is regenerating itself. Like old cells are being replaced with healthy new ones. You know, research shows, and you know, the more sleep you get, it boosts your immune system, it strengthens your heart. Better sleep gives you a better mood. And personally, I know when I'm lacking sleep, I can feel it like right away in the morning. Like uh, I, my energy is short with the kids, and uh, the day doesn't go as well when you didn't get a good night's rest. So it also increases your your productivity. And honestly for baby, you know, we're talking we recently talked a lot about postpartum and you know, bouncing back from pregnancy, you know, sleeping for your baby, there's so much that's happening inside their tiny little bodies. You know, they're they're growing, they're developing and this is why, you know, developing, you know, good sleep routines and habits is is really vital. So I don't think we need any studies for us to all agree, like we're, we're better, we feel better, we're happier, and we're better at raising our kids when we are well-rested. So we are by no means like experts in this area, but I would say between the three of us, we've got a lot of experience. And you know, there's a lot of strong philosophies and opinions around sleep habits, for children and for babies so today we want to help you just navigate this area by sharing some of our experiences and some of our successes in this area that will will help you navigate this time so let's start out like what do you guys right away what would you say you know when, when we talk about sleep and being a new mom what is some advice that you guys have (laughs)
2: Uh, you will become amazed at how much you can do with very little sleep. (laughs) I think that I often have to black out when I hear the importance of sleep. Like, oh, you need sleep for these 15 reasons. I have to just put on earmuffs and say, that doesn't apply to moms. It does not apply to new moms because it just can't be true that I need all those things. Um, Because I mean, I've had now my oldest is seven and a half, going on seven and a half. And even as recent as last night, you know, 1245 at night we hear the door slam to our three-year-old's room and we hear the little pitter patter of feet as he comes crawling into our bed. And two hours later, the five-year-old is standing at my bedside, that creepy, like you roll over and there's like a t- child staring at staring at you and she had a bad dream and then you know at five o'clock the seven-year-old wakes up and it's like ah and the funniest part is we wake up the next morning or you know I'm still awake and Mark comes rolling out of bed my husband comes rolling about out of bed he's like hey last night went pretty well I think <laughs> dude you have no idea like you have no idea the circus and the merry-go-round that just happened in our in our household last night so I think when you say we aren't experts, um, and I think that, that that's something I love about the three of us coming together, we are doctors, we are moms, we know a lot and we have a lot of knowledge, but I think the unique part about what we bring to um, the holistic mom community is that we're also very real and we're going to talk about the realities of you can have a great plan for sleep for your children and you might have to divert from that plan based on your child. So I think that um, that's what I enjoy about the three of us coming together is we're we're willing to give all of the knowledge and the information, but we're also willing to share what real life is like.
0: Absolutely, and I, having four kids now and going through this four times, I can tell you that it's not a one size fits all approach. Like two of my kids were excellent sleepers, great nappers, slept through the night. Two of them were not, and. I really struggled for a couple of years with two of them. And I had to like really, you know, change my approach to sleep. So, you know, I know there are moms out there that like will try different sleep programs, um, sleep training, whatever it is, and it will work for one child and it might not work for another mm-hmm. child or it's just different. So I think just to give, you know, going into this by giving moms just tell yourself, you know, you know, give yourself grace, tell yourself it's not the end of the world. You know, if they don't, you know, completely comply or, you know, it doesn't work hundred percent, like it's okay. And they're going to get to a point. All of my kids have gotten to a point where they have become really good sleepers for the most part, barring, you know, those middle of the night, like visits, Sarah, that you deal with too. Um, (laughs) But for the most part, you know, they eventually became great sleepers. So if you're a new parent, And, you know, this is all brand new for you. Maybe you have one or two kids that are really little. Um, Just, I hope to give you just, you know, some hope for the future that it will, it will be okay. They will sleep. Um, But hopefully, you know, today's episode, we're just going to be able to give you some tips that will really help.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, there's so much variability as you guys are talking, like it's, you know, the personality of your child, the personality of you and your spouse, Also, you know, are you very, um, you know, regimented or are you more, you know, relaxed, especially when it comes to routines? I feel like that really affects your experience with this, not to mention like the variability with babies, you know, like birth weight right away and, you know, how well nursing is going. All of those things can really affect, you know, the length of time that your newborn can sleep, you know, right away. And I think, you know, right away from the beginning, expecting to, you know, every two to three hours was how it was, you know, for me right away that if it was a nursing baby, they, you know, that was kind of a routine every three hours we are up. And thank goodness that, you know, the last month of pregnancy, when your your body's waking you up, like it's training you to go to the bathroom multiple times in the night, because you're going to be used to being able to get up, be awake, and then be able to fall right back asleep. Um, so, I really feel like sleep, it's a skill, you know, it's a skill for our kids that must be learned. And it's really our job, you know, to honor that, honor our role in in that learning process, you know, for our kids. Um, So I feel like you got to do what's comfortable to you there. Like we talked about, there's a lot of, different, and you can flow out there and talking with your spouse, even before you have the baby, like, what, what type of parent, what type of plan are we going to have? And I feel like when you have a plan, you can at least start with that and then allow your baby and your experience to, you know, mold from there on out.
2: I could speak to the point of the importance of having a plan that your spouse agrees to. From baby number one and death threats in the middle of the night as I'm looking at my snoring husband. So then baby number two, having a plan for how are we going to survive this season of a newborn? And for us, really, with baby two and baby three, the newborn phase I felt was a breeze. They eat, they sleep, change a couple diapers, and you're good to go. For me, it's always when they hit that six-month mark where they're big enough that I'm starting to become a bit frustrated with them for being up 15 times in the middle of the night for, to me, felt like no reason, even though physiologically there's very good reason, so being on the same page with your spouse, I think, is super critical. And that was big for, for Mark and I to realize, wait, we haven't really talked about Are we? how long are we going to let baby fuss or cry or roll around before one of us goes in? Um, if we're going in, is it to nurse? Is it not to nurse if we've just nursed? sort So really making sure that as a partner, you're on the same page for this is what we're going to try and this is the amount of time we're going to try this plan for. And if it doesn't work, we agree to course correct. But I think that that's really super important is knowing, hey, we're a team here and we're on the same page and it will help those middle of the night, you know, breakdown fights.
1: Absolutely. Even with the, you know, crying it out, we, that, to speak to be on the same page with your spouse, I was always the one I wanted to rush in right away. And Peter was like, no, like we just changed the diaper. You just fed. It's 30 minutes later. Like we need to, you know, they le- need to learn how to, to suit themselves. And something that worked well for us is, we decided how long are we comfortable with? Yeah. Like, what are we good about beforehand? Otherwise we were playing and being like, I want to go get her. No, give her a few more minutes. And, you know, we started with the, you know, whatever it was like five minute timer. And then in my head, I could lay there and be like, okay, I'm blocking this out for the next five minutes or what It was 10 minutes. And usually we found it was right around eight minutes all of a sudden, magically, the baby was back to sleep. And I was like, oh, thank God I didn't go back in there. You know, I'd have been Mm -hmm. still rocking this baby. And I think birth order makes a big difference. Like, we were very good. We had read the book baby-wise. We were very consistent with our first kid because that's all I had to focus on. I remember I had everything written down, like the eat-wake-sleep cycle. Like, we nailed it. And then 13 months later, we had another baby. And all of a sudden, you know, as you get more and more kids, I think you guys can attest to this. As you have more kids, for us, it was a lot harder to be as regimented because we couldn't always be home when the baby needed a nap. You know, whether we were running to preschool or I had to go here and there. So I do feel like recognizing each child again will be different as you move forward, and you know, having again a plan for how is that how's that going to look?
0: Totally, and I think just the mindset when you do have more kids. Um, just the mindset of protecting sleep, just like you would protect, you know, their diet and just making sure they're healthy and getting, you know, the best foods and the best vitamins. Like sleep is that important too for their health. And so for me, same thing, like we got really busy. Our kids were in dance and other activities, basketball. And then we had these two little kids that still needed a nap. And so I would just have to get creative and figure out, okay, how are we going to you know, nap on the go if that's what it is, or, you know, where can I have help with transportation for the other kids? Um, Because I didn't want that to just go out the window just because we got busy because I knew how critical it was. And just a side note, like looking at sleep as like a component of health, you know, we talk about how important it is for adults, but more and more research is coming out about sleep and how directly linked it is to the neurological system. So um, our neurological development as kids and all those little synapses in the brain that are forming and developing, um, its it really is directly linked to sleep quality. And so that is, you know, that is something to remember. Like, it's not, it's, if you have to be out on the go, great, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. But at the end of the day, like, you will start to see, and we see this in our practice all the time, you know, parents that are coming in with kids that are, you know, maybe chronically sick, um, struggling in school, whatever it is. And one of the questions that I always ask is, you know, what's their sleep like? And if they're little kids, are they napping? You know, how many naps, how long, you know, do they actually, you know, get uninterrupted sleep time when they need it. And a lot of times these kids that are struggling, that is one component of their health that, you know, is lacking and parents don't pay a ton of attention to it because they don't really equate it to, you know, level of health.
2: I totally agree with it. And I think where it hit for me between baby one and baby two was really understanding what you said, Natalie. Sleep is a skill, like any other skill that needs to be practiced. It needs to be taught and then it needs to be practiced. So teaching our children the skill of being able to fall asleep and stay asleep, I think is really important. And knowing our job as parents is to help that process. And I think when you break it down into age categories. So I don't want people to hear that and think, oh, we're trying to put a newborn on a regimen because we're certainly not. I, I I fully you know, disagree with the traditional cry it out method and start throwing them in a crib in a dark room at six weeks old and letting them figure it out and they'll figure out how to sell soup and, fa- and fall asleep. I definitely don't subscribe to that model. But I also think when you look, okay, when is that transition for your family of when Okay, the baby is well fed, and the baby has the baby does feel loved and nurtured and comforted, and their diaper is clean. For me, that process in all three of my children, I felt intuitively that that process. For all my kids, they landed in that six to nine month window. One was closer to six months, the other one was closer to nine months before I felt like he was sort of ready for that transition. And when that transition hits for us, then it's okay. I'm going to start, you know, working on naps, laying down in their crib for their naps. And we'll, we'll just start there. And then in the evening, I'll nurse them and lay them down for bedtime in their crib first. And then once that first wake cycle happens of they're ready to nurse again in the middle of the night, then we're back to bed sharing for the rest of the night. But to me, that's the first evolution of that training process for my children is, okay, we're going to start setting them down for naps an and see how that goes. And then I'm going to start putting them down in their crib at night after their last nursing session and start working on a nightly routine with them. And then, yeah. White flag come 2 a.m when I'm up nursing them for the third time, they come back into the bed and then once they hit a little bit older window, then I'll make the commitment to deciding, okay, they're staying in their crib all night long and even if that means I have to walk across my house 15 times tonight, they're not coming into my bed and figuring out for my children um, based on which child they are and how they're developing, when that timeline is, that's where the variability comes in.
1: All right, so on that note, like let's talk about like our tips and tricks for each age group, because it does change so much, you know, it changes as you're, as you're mentioning from, you know, when a baby is a newborn, it is, it's they're hungry. Okay. We're feeding them, you know, we're nurturing them and we're making them feel loved and safe. So did you guys, you know, right from the beginning, you know, did you have the baby in your room or did you have them in a separate room right away for us? You know, it started with, you know, in a bassinet, you know, right next to the bed. And, you know, anytime the baby woke up, my husband would get up, you know, because I was still healing, he changed the diaper and then gave baby to me. And, you know, I would nurse in bed and then, you know, put the baby right back in the bassinet. And for us. My kids were loud sleepers, even as newborns, you know, and for me with a baby right next to my head, you know, in a bassinet next to the bed, I would hear every single, you know, little breath that they took or noise that they made. And it would wake me up even when they didn't really need me. So, we in our, our first house, we had a, a bigger closet. So, even that first, you know, after the first week, we just moved the bassinet into the closet. So, like, oh, the baby funny. was still near, but, you know, Peter could get up, grab the baby, and then bring it, you know, back to me. And it was insane. The world of a difference that it made just not having the baby right next to me, my sleep. The baby slept so much better because I wasn't, you know, waking up every two seconds like, Okay, is you know, is everything all right? And I would only wake up when the baby really, you know, was like, Okay, the baby is awake and needs to be fed. So for us, we very quickly moved them Um, even then once it went from the closet after week two, to, um, like the bassinet in, in their own room and, you know, thank God for video monitors that we used right away. We don't use those anymore as we learn more and more about like the amount of EMS that they, um, you know, put out, but, um, you know, right away that helped me so I could be able to at least see the baby if I needed to. And so for us, you know, moving the baby out of our room quicker helped. And same thing by the the third feeding in the middle of the night, then it was often, you know, bringing the baby into bed, which thank God for DACA tots, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, did you guys use those? It was such a, it's a great safe way to be able to have your baby in your bed with you. Um, so yeah, talking about your is experience with
2: the newborns newborns were always in bed with us, you know, right away. And it was, I didn't learn about the doc of tot till baby three. And I felt like, where has this been for the last five years? Because this thing is amazing for us. We, because I was so nervous and paranoid as a first time mom on co-sleeping that we would sleep and Mark would sl- I would sleep at the foot of the bed. In a big king-size bed, I would sleep at the foot of the bed. Mark would sleep <laughs> like up against one side, and then the baby would get two-thirds of the middle portion of the bed. But what I do want to say, I agree with everything that you said. Um, I keep the baby next to me because I just lay awake worrying if the baby's not right by me. So I'm the opposite of you, Natalie. Um, if they're right there, I feel like I can just respond faster. Um, but that routine, of which it took really a couple of months into our first baby to realize this, um, husband wakes up, husband change, changes the diaper, then I'll take over and nurse from there. And that for us, like it made me feel uh, seen, heard, taken care of, supported. For me, it created more of a level playing field. I didn't have so much resentment against my husband in the middle of the night. So that was a routine that worked has worked really well for us with all of our kids is when we hear that first wake up, he'll go do the diaper and then hand the baby to me and I'll take over for the rest of the night after that. Um little, you know, hack for successful marriages in these newborn days. Yeah. We
0: we kept our babies in the bed with us. Dokotat was awesome. Um and then we would move baby into bassinet. I mean, this is pretty much what we did as a routine with each of our kiddos. Um and I think we just, we kept baby in bassinet until about three months and then we would transition over to the crib. And like I said before, like two of our babies did really, really well with that. And it wasn't a huge chore to like get up in the middle of the night and, you know, go soothe them or whatever it was that we needed to do. Two of them were great sleepers. The other two, it became like so difficult until we finally got like a sleep therapist or sleep consultant, I guess it is, um, who really gave us some great tips. And so I think any moms that might be struggling, um, hiring a professional that can really help you um, during that transition. I don't know if you, did you ladies use sleep consultants or did you just? I
2: didn't hire one. I stole tips from a girlfriend sleep consultant. So, and I've actually shared those tips with Pretty much every patient because, but really it was mostly a mindset shift of this is a skill that you need to teach your child. So how, what are their sleep tools? You know, like it's very challenging for me to fall asleep without a blanket over my shoulder and on my side. I have a hard time falling asleep without those two things. So recognizing what are the tools you're giving your child to be able to fall asleep? What are the appropriate ones and the inappropriate ones? And if we've trained our child, to fall asleep while nursing, then that, that's just that's the that's the tool that they are using right now. So we need to shift them to a new tool if we are ready to be done, and we think they're old enough to not need that. And for me, that was the biggest. And now that starts for me in the next age category. In the newborn, it's whatever it takes. Respond to baby's needs, nurse all night long. There's so many important healing and developmental things that come in that newborn stage that I really hesitate to give anyone a prescription for how to survive those days. You, you you survive those days and that's about it. You nurse on demand, you do what it takes. Somewhere in that six-month to 18-month window, depending on the child, that's where I start I think you start to examine what are the routines and habits my baby's developing around sleep? What are the ones that are appropriate and what are the ones that are inappropriate? And I can start now training them to develop a new habit and routine around sleep. And I think that somewhere in that six-month to 18-month window is when you start working on those skills. If you need to bring in a consultant or at a bare minimum, research some philosophies online. See what jives with you and your husband talk to a group of girlfriends hook up with a a holistic community in your neighborhood or in your city and start deciding, okay, what is the, what's our plan for our child that we're going to commit to now and how long are we going to commit to it? And let's let's give this thing a go.
1: Yeah. We didn't have a specific, you know, sleep consultant or um, person help us, but we actually had a very well seasoned nanny and I learned so much from her on this. I remember being home while she, she had gotten there and I was working at home and the baby, you know, she fed the baby. And again, in that this next age category of like, you know, I think it was usually around eight months that we really started creating like solid routines and and training our kids as you're mentioning, Sarah, but I learned I always with our first, it was always like, okay, I was rocking her until she was asleep and then laying her down. And our nanny, she was a 52 year old grandma, super type A. I mean, just the the best, she was the most amazing nanny. And I learned from her, like the one day I was at home working. And I remember this day that she, um, fed the baby and, and then, you know, burped her and then walked her up to her room and laid her in her crib. And she came back in like two seconds. And I was like, wait, like, where did the baby go? (laughs) I put her down for a nap. I'm like, What do you mean? Like she was just awake. And And she's like, oh no, like it's, it's nine o'clock. Like this is her nap time. So I always feed her. I rock her. I burp her. And then, you know, and then I lay her down and she's tired. And every now and again, she'd maybe, you know, cry just a, a few minutes or just kind of be awake in her crib. And that was so foreign to me right away. Like, wait, you're laying yes. down when she's still awake. But the, what really helped me there was okay. When the baby, when we know that baby is very tired and you know, whether that's in the evening or at nap time, if you can keep a consistent nap time again, then it's it's teaching them routine. And if the baby knows, okay, like I'm tired and now I get laid down in my crib. And if you start when they are really tired, but they're still awake, that trick worked for us hugely. Is that they're very tired, they're still awake. You lay them down and You know, it might not go perfectly the first week, but then you lay them down and you walk away. And, you know, for us, if that didn't work and they started screaming, then of course we would go back in and console them. But laying them down when they're very tired, we found, oh, wow. I was like, magically, the baby just goes to sleep on their own. You
2: know, that was, that was the same for us is when you're in tune with your baby and you're paying attention to what are their cues that they're sleepy. And for us at nighttime, it was always that last burst of like crying, they have been nursed, and it's kind of the evening. And as soon as the baby will get grumpy, we would look at each other. Okay, there we go. We got our sign. Baby is ready for bed. Oftentimes, those kids, you'll see them rub their eyes, and there's physiology behind that. It's an o- oculocardiac – well, I'm going way back to chiropractic school here – oculocardiac reflex, where when you rub your eyes, it slows down your heart rate. And that's a preparation for a baby to be able to fall asleep. So when you see your baby rub your eyes, that's a that's a cue. Okay, and then for us, it was the same, Natalie – lay that baby down while they're sleepy, but still awake. And that begins the process of them understanding how to fall asleep on their own.
1: And that goes into, you know, just recently with our son, you know, once they're a year, a year and a half, it's been funny, both my husband and I, we can always pinpoint, we're like, okay, we're creating bad habits, right? Like we'll lay with them, you know, to get them to go to bed at night. And this last time around, we recognized, oh, okay, like we're creating a bad habit. We're laying with him for too long. We're going outside of the routine. It's easier to just lay there and, you know, get them to fall asleep than it is to fight the battle of walking out and having him cry for a few minutes and then having to go back in. And something that I really think is, is good, if you find yourself getting into a bad routine as a family with sleep is to set a date and a time when you're going to decide to break it. Um, and then prepare, plan ahead. And then once that day comes, like commit, you know, so for us, we were like, we know that this, this, he's old enough, like to be able to go to bed on his own at night. So first, you know, preparing them for success, like getting into a really good routine, you know, in our house, it is bath, it's bedtime snack, it's brush our teeth, it's read two books. And then it's bedtime, we say our prayers, get in bed, we say our prayers, and then we'll rub your back for a minute, and then we walk out. And for us, it was planning, planning that ahead of time. And then it was practicing it, you know, for a couple, a couple of weeks. And then it was setting the date, you know, in our minds for us, it was just in our minds to commit, like, we're not giving in anymore. Like this is the date where we started on a Friday, you know, the same thing in the middle of the night happened with this last one is okay. At two o'clock, he comes into our room and those nights where you're like lacking sleep, it's just easier to be like, come on, buddy. It was our, he's our last kid. I'm like, come on in and snuggle. Yeah. As soon as we let that happen, you know, all of a sudden it's a new habit. And every time he wakes up at two o'clock, instead of soothing himself and going back to sleep, he's in our bed. Can hear the little pitter patter coming. I'm like, oh, because here comes Henry and into our bed he comes. And again, we let that happen for a while. And then we recognize like, no, we're allowing this to be a bad habit. So we had to set the date of no more just us sleeping through the night and letting him come in. It was, we found the importance of him being in his own bed. So it was setting the date of, okay, when he comes in now, it's one of us is getting back, and we're taking him back to his bed to get him to learn to go back to sleep in his own bed. Does that make sense? So if you are in a routine, I think setting a date and having a plan can really help to correct it.
0: I found that when my kids were kind of, they'd go through those seasons of whether it was teething um, or whatever it was that threw them off. And I feel like just giving myself grace during those seasons to know that it wasn't going to last forever. But again, like using that mindset of, okay, we're going to set a date because teething really doesn't last. I mean, at least for us, it didn't last more than a week or two for our kids. And so just knowing, okay, it's going to probably be a week or two of this and then we're going to get back into the routine. And the other thing is, you know, for us, I feel like there were times, I mean, I got pneumonia when one of our kiddos was really young and kind of working through that six to 12 month, um, just sleep habit formation. And I was in bed for a few weeks and the baby, you know, obviously got out of her routine and it took me probably a month to get once, you know, once things were back to normal to get her back in her routine. And that was really hard. And I think, you know, you do go through things in life that are going to throw off that routine and don't get discouraged. I thought there was a moment where I thought, okay, we're never going to go back to, you know, that great sleep that we had before, but really they do, they adapt and they learn and they remember and their bodies do what they're supposed to do. So if you go through something like that, just know like it's okay. And you can get back on track
1: Something that I would tell myself all of the time as you bring that up is no matter if things were going good or bad, especially in the, you know, that first year, it's just a phase. Like I would constantly remind myself like, oh, baby's sleeping so great. And then all of a sudden they're going to have that regression. And again, just reminding myself like, okay, this is just a phase when things are going good.
2: That's really good. This is so
1: good. I hope this stays. And then I would, the first baby, I would get so discouraged, like, what did I mess up? what did I do wrong? Why did we regress? And then I'd be like, no, that's right. This is just a phase and next thing they're going to do, they're going to hit it. They'll be sleeping well. And then they're going to hit a, hit a girl's spurt, you know, something like that. So for me, that helped every single thing. is like, this is just a phase. This will pass. Like we will get there. Eventually we'll have great sleep routines. And there's a lot of up and downs in between that. And that's okay. Like that's how it's meant to be. All right. So to wrap things up, you know, just, just remember that, you know, sleep, it's a skill and it's our job to develop routine and lead our kids through this to help them develop, you know, really healthy habits around sleep. So whatever you choose, you know, do what makes sense. It's in what's comfortable to you. Remember to be patient, but be consistent and make sure that you have a plan that your spouse agrees to. So thanks for joining us for this episode. And we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the mom docs podcast. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you can give is to share this with others and leave us a review on iTunes by subscribing to our podcast.
2: You'll never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.